welcome to Youth Culture. Oh. <laughs> Come on, guys. Welcome to Youth Culture. So lovely to see you all again. Um, it's been a year, I can't believe it. Um, but it's so wonderful to see you all. Thank you for choosing the Youth Culture stream this morning. It's so good to see you all. We and I have been uh, praying really that God would saturate this space um, this week, that the power of the presence of God would be with us and that you would really go home empowered and refreshed and restored and equipped um, to serve your young people in your communities. Um, so this is a space for you. We love you. If you need to pray or grab coffee, oh, this is the first year that I haven't had to look after a youth group. So I am literally, if you need coffee, I'm, I'm your girl this week, okay? So um, I'll be around this space in the week and uh, Tex will be around as well. And um, we're always happy to chat with you. So just grab us whenever. Um, yeah. I yeah. Think, oh, this week. Um, yeah. So. Uh, this is the youth culture venue. It's all about being empowered as youth workers. Um, uh, and today, um, Tex is going to be telling you what we're going to be doing this week. And I will let you know what we're doing later on. You'll have to stay for the whole session to find out. Yeah, cool. So just again, a warm welcome. We're so glad uh, that you are with us. Um, and I know that for many of you, you are leading your youth groups and to be here, to be able to get this space and time to be able to do this is a privilege. And um, how many of you had a good, good night's sleep last night? I didn't, but yeah, okay, that, that's all right. Um, you know, someone asked like, Tex, did you sleep well? And I was like, no, I slept, um, but did I sleep well? But that's fine. Because um, that's, that's part and parcel of New Day, isn't it? And God will still work in young people, even though I might be tired or I might be uh, thinking about other things or trying to serve them. But we know God is good, isn't he? And he will be at work in our young people. And so uh, just a little bit of context for Bex and myself. So I am uh, one of the pastors at King's Church London, um, where I've been for the past year. But then I was also a pastor for another eight years um, in Reading. So I've been involved with young people um, formally for almost 10 years, but then even as a volunteer, kind of my early, te- uh, my late teens through. So uh, God uh, has put my heart to see uh, young people come to God, uh, to be a light into the world. And uh, I've also loved then being with youth leaders because I know uh, the role that we play in helping young people see Jesus and to point them to him and um, being able to serve you guys at this uh, at the festival is a real privilege and because I know that like I said many of us as we lead our groups is hard work um, but uh, I just want to say well done Um, I I, I hope that doesn't sound patronizing but I don't know if parents or team often say thank you and well done but thank you for all that you do um, because you are playing a vital part in raising the next generation. So today we have got uh, John Dutton and John is a uh, youth worker in Harpenden. I have known John for, we were just talking now, about nine years, like round about that. Um, John and I have led on Catalyst, which is one of the spheres uh, with the New Frontiers. Uh, And John has been a great gift to the church, particularly on the team that I led uh, for Catalyst and helping us think really biblically, but also in a really gracious, loving manner around the issues of sex, relationships. And John has done a series like this, which I'm sure he will share a bit about at some point, um, just around how do we have healthy conversations with young people around sex, relationships, and to have young people have a biblical, healthy, centered view around that. So let's give John uh, a huge welcome as he comes up. 
Um, just to say, if you do have any questions, there, the board on there, we will have a slightly better tech version tomorrow, hopefully. Um, I will turn that. Um, but if you've got any questions throughout, just text them, and we will kind of filter them through, you know, because there'll often be ones on the same theme. But text them through at any point, and then we'll have some Q&A at the end. So let me pray for John um, before we start. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. We thank you that you're good and faithful. Uh, God, I want to pray for John as he uh, speaks to today. Would we have a, a greater sense of your kingdom? Would we be empowered to have these conversations with young people to help them honour you uh, in every area of their lives? But God, we thank you that your spirit is here with us tangibly. Uh, we pray for youth leaders even now who are thinking about all the other bits that they do. I pray, God, would you bring them peace uh, to receive what John has to give to us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for the wonderful, wonderful introduction. Thank you. Um, th- hello. Hello. Lovely to, lovely to see you all. Well done for being youth workers. Well done for being youth leaders. Um, this is a wonderful venue, by the way. Did you know this is the venue with back support? What a gift that is. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, and again, so what, is a, what a privilege it is to start this seminar series off. Um, and again, I love talking to youth leaders. And youth leaders are my favorite people in the world. Uh, we are brothers and sisters. And I, I absolutely adore you all. Um, so again, I'm the youth worker at Bethany Community Church in Harpenden. Been a, been there for about five years. I've been a youth worker or a youth leader in various capacities for about 15 years. Um, I absolutely love New Day. I came here as a young person, got saved there at 18. Um, and then just never left, so I just kept coming. You know, they, ne- they, they, they kept wanting me here, so I kept coming. And So this is, I think, my 14th year. So I absolutely love New Day, love being here, love soaking up what God is doing amongst us and seeing young lives transformed by, as we send them out of the normal routine of life and into spaces like this where they open to receive what God wants to do in their lives. It's just a beautiful place to be. Um, so I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about young people, seeing them... T- Take their discipleship of Jesus and, and follow him wherever he, wherever he has them, wherever he wants to take them. Um, and obviously today, kicking off the series of seminars, looking at this whole issue of sex and relationships, which as a landscape at the moment is fraught with huge amounts of complexity. It's a minefield um, to navigate in this modern era. But again, it's something that I'm incredibly passionate about because I believe it's one of the most vital subjects for our young people in this time and the one they need huge amounts of wisdom to navigate. You know, it's been clear for generations now that ever more our culture is drifting further and further away from values and ethics that were once biblically based uh, and the result of that is less can just be assumed in society. The less can, and the less can that can be assumed, the more explicit and the more our modelling needs to be. We need to be explicit with our teaching and our modelling needs to be more clear with how we just reveal the beautiful vision of, the, of, of relationships and sexuality that Jesus has for us. Um, but at the same time, our teaching on the subject has the great ability to bring lifelong wisdom, which protects our youth from future error, but also has the potential to bring great harm as well. We've got to take this with real seriousness as we handle this. You know, me, I don't know if you guys have ever watched, me and my wife just finished the Hillsong documentary on Disney+. And it is a sad story, a broken, sad story. Um, and there's, there's clear agendas in it, so you've got to take it with, um, with a certain level of thinking behind it. But it, you can just see the level of conversations that have happened that, where there's been vague teaching or there's been misunderstandings or just really awful teaching. And that, how the impact that has on young lives can be huge. Um, but equally, I find that um, there the, the same power, the same things that can often bring great damage 
also has the same power, can be the potential to bring great life and beauty into our world as well. So Ephesians 5, 31 to 32 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So our desire is for Jesus, for his love, for his bride, the church, to be seen in the world. That profound portrait of God's love for his people to be revealed through relationships that obviously involve sex when it's marriage. We want we the world to see embodied relationships of the king of Jesus loving his people and see that represented in the people of God in, 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 in a diversity of unity, of different partners, of, of where we have divine and, and, and created. We also have man and woman. That's the sense of this diversity in union together in beautiful harmony and beautiful relationships, revealing the gospel, revealing the good news to the world in embodied relationships. And, um, and that can change the world. That honestly can change the world. As a social commentator, David Brooks says, society changes when a small group of people find a better way to live and the rest of us copy it. So it's about these small things, these small people, they find a better way to live and the rest of us copy. And Jesus' way for sex and relationships is the better way our world longs to know. So that's where we're heading in our time. And I, I really want to get really practical for you guys as youth leaders. I really, when I'm, when I'm as sitting as a youth leader in these scenarios, I really want just practical advice of how do I actually have this conversation with young people. You know, you guys have got specific young people you're thinking about. You may have come here thinking, I've got this one young person or this group of young people I really want to speak into. So you're just coming for that practical wisdom of where do I begin with this? And that's really where I want to go on this. But just as a way of a caveat as well, these topics of sex and relationship, you really need hours to kind of dig into. They are not something you can just go, right, half an hour, let's, and now I'm sorted. You know, this, these things are not, this is not going to be a one-stop shop. So this will be more an encouragement in the direction of travel. That's where I'm more going. And obviously, you've got the questions and things. Please take use of that. If you've got specific situations you want some wisdom in, then please feel free to use that as well. But this is more going to be a direction of travel rather than the totality of theology, ethics, and wisdom you need to get through this. But we will offer you resources and help and everything we need to, again, go in the right direction. And so where we're going with this is um, we're going to do three things. So number one, we're going to ask, why is this conversation so important? Number two, we're going to look at what, is, what do we consider as part of this kind of conversation. And number three is just, we're going to, we're going to have a Q&A. So we're going to be, that's the basic, the, the direction of travel we are heading in. So let's start with the why. The why is really important. Why is this conversation so important? And the first reason is, it's the, the, the why is so important is because it's the reason we exist. It's the reason we exist as a church, as the people of God. You know, Jesus, just before um, he ascended into heaven, he commissioned his church. He commissioned his people with a role. And he didn't say, go into the world and entertain all people. Or go into the world and be, uh, be as relevant as possible. And be as, uh, as, just be, be as like, on the, the side of the culture as possible. He said, go into the world and make disciples. And to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. That is our UPS. That is our unique selling point. It's what we offer the world that no one else can. And Jesus' relational and sexual ethic are what we alone offer the world. 
Jesus is, he is the originator and designer of sex and relationships. And he's got a specific vision he wants to offer the world. And we are the ones who embody that and bring that to bear into the world. It's what we have. It's our unique selling point. As a scholar called Nancy Piercy says, she says, what Christians do with their sexuality, and I would add to that relationships, is one of the most important testimonies they can give to the surrounding world. So this is our responsibility. As the, as the high king of he- heaven has commissioned no one else to carry as the people of God. So we do well to hold that responsibility to bring to bear God's truth. And it's why we exist. And the second reason is, this is vital is, you know, as youth leaders, we are called to love our young people. We want to love our young people. It's why we turn up on the nights, we turn up in the evenings, clearing up and, you know, and coming to New Day, sacrificing our weeks as volunteer youth leaders or employed youth leaders, sacrificing our sleep. All those things, you know, we do because we love our young people. And one of the ways we love them is to preempt their pitfalls. To meaning that if we know the road ahead is full of potholes, we know there's cliff edges and potential hazards, it is our duty if we love them to warn them, to inform them that we may give them detailed knowledge of the path ahead and offer the best possible route to help navigate this tricky pathway they're going to be heading on. And our culture with regards to sexual relationship today is more a minefield than ever. It feels like, you know, progression is where I was as an 18-year-old. The stuff I was dealing with, you know, 15 years ago has just progressed in incredibly more complex ways and more ways you need just nuance on things that you need to just navigate. This is so much more than it was 15 years ago. You know, statistically, over 60% of youth in the UK have sent or received sexual images um, compared to just 38% of millennials at the same age. Gen Z is 300% more likely to have casual sex in their teens than Gen X was 30 years ago. Um, And sexually transmitted infections have also risen by 63% amongst youth in the last decade, even considering, you know, we had two years stuck at home. You know, things are progressing in a way that is, is, is difficult and complex that we need to work through. And so hopefully this just pulls the veil into the world our young people are walking into and walking around. And even if they're not delving into it, it's the world that that surrounds them as well. And friends, this has been, again, an issue for years, progressively walking in that direction. And we, we do, and I think you're aware of it, otherwise you wouldn't be here. We do a disservice to our young people if we, don't, if we leave this unaddressed or are vague on these things. So if we love our youth, we are called to be guides. You know, it's great, you know, it's great to be the relatable big brother or sister, you know, the ones to create the memorable games and stuff that they love to do. But the reality is, as youth leaders, what we're really called to is to carry, to build deep wells of wisdom within ourselves, that we are a resource to our young people, that they can learn from us, that they can receive the rich truth of the word of God and receive it, not just from what we say, but from how we act as well. That it's not just what's taught, it's what's caught from our lives is really important as well. That they may see and hear God's vision for sexual and relational flourishing, again, that we offer them. Oh, cool, so now we know the problem, so you feel like, okay, 
This is a big, this is a big deal. Now we know the problem. We know we, can, we are part of the solution within this. We know we are part of the solution. We have a role to play within this, that we have the ability to bring Christ's teaching on this and actually put it onto the agenda. Um, you know, while I'm, I'm aware I'm a fellow youth leader, um, equally I'm aware that you know, we, we want to partner with parents on this. This is something that we need, we need to be really, really clear on, that we are aware we, we have only a certain amount of influence with the young people's lives, that parents are the primary disciples of their young people, obviously, if they're believers. Um, but, and we are supplementary to that, but we have the ability to have a huge amount of influence in this way. And, um, you know, and I, but I feel like for many parents as well, we, we can, as youth leaders, sometimes we're like, well, parents should be having this common conversation. They should be the ones talking about sex relationships. They should be the ones doing this. But many parents that I speak to, even the ones that I know in my church, they're solid, they're godly, they're leaders, but they feel wildly ill-equipped to deal with this, even with their own young people. The stuff they come home with, the stuff that they hear from school, they, are just, they feel like they're just fighting the wind a lot of the time. And so we need to be, if we're going to look to pastor our young people, there's almost a holistical view that we need to go from all sides when we approach this topic. And I'm going to speak a little bit more about parents a bit later. Wonderful. So... Um, now, basically, we're going to do the how of the conversation. It's really the reason why you're here. So we're going to do the how of this conversation. But the first and most important thing, I th- well, not most important thing, but the first really kind of step into understanding this conversation is, is the question of when. When should we be having this conversation with young people? Really, really important. Um, and in particularly in terms of age. Because, you know, as youth leaders, no one wants to be responsible for popping that bubble of innocence. You know, you get the little young year sevens come in and they're, you know, the little, they're just lovely. They're nothing spoiling their little world. And then you're just like, oh, sex. And they're just like, what? You know, so I get it. Like, you, no one wants to be the one to pop that little bubble of innocence within their world. But ultimately, it, there is an issue that young people rapidly, progressively are getting younger and younger and younger and dealing with. So, um, so the question again is when. And ultimately for me, there isn't really a hard and fast rule to when you approach this. But then again, I think it's, it's a, if it's a question you need to work out with your own young people, with your team, with your leaders. Um, you know, I lead a, a, a decent sized youth group in a really suburban context. And so it may look different if you're in a more urban context or if you're in a more rural context. If you have 200 young people or if you had four, then you kind of need to work that question out with yourself, um, with, your, with a team and with your pastors as well. But the best advice I kind of have is we, the things that we walk through and the questions we asked as we were looking to um, kind of understand when to start this process with young people is we, first of all, looked at when does the secular culture around them start informing them on this? So when do they start doing their sex and relationships or SRE? When do they start doing that conversation? So um, in my area, in, in Hertfordshire where I am, it's year seven and eight is when they start doing uh, the sex ed kind of conversation in their schools. Um, but in our, other areas, it can be as low as year five. So it's working out when do, when do you start doing that? So looking at your local area. Equally beyond that, when it's not just looking at the educational bodies um, that, that are trying to, that, that these aren't the only thing that are trying to inform young people, but it's their friends as well. You know, it's themselves, you know, when their curiosity gets the better of them. You know, and often where that leads is, is pornography, is often the place where that I think is teaching our young people more than we realize. A study done last year um, found that the average age of first exposure to pornography was at the age of 11 with 15% saying they saw pornography below the age of 10. So many of the young people are already dealing with sexual and relational questions even before they arrive within our youth group. 
And you know, we must desire to get there first before the world, before the culture has its say. Um, psychology shows us we remember and are more influenced by the information that comes first into our mind. What psychologists call this is something called primary effect. I mean, the initial information we receive on a topic tends to shape us moving forward. You know, think of it like a little flower bed. You know, the seeds that are sown first, often then when they grow, they take up that space and nothing else can be really sown amongst it. So what, if you are going to sow something else in that space, what you need to do is uproot that, those things and then, I'll, then replace it with new seeds. So that's, that's essentially what has to happen. If we look to do it late on in a young person's journey within their, their teen years, then actually what we have to do is almost uproot the culture that's already taught them and then replace it with a new vision, which again is a lot more work. So for my church specifically, with our section relational teaching, we decided to have the same content right across the age group from year 7 to year 13. Um, so we gave them a general teaching on these things and then equally then broke it down, broke them down into smaller groups so they could contextualize it to their world. Um, so in, and gender specific as well. So we, age, we did age specific, gender specific, um, but then general teaching as well that we gave them and then broke that down contextually into their worlds. So that's the way we did it in our context, but again, that might be different to how you, based on the size of your youth group, based on your context, everything like that. But my encouragement would be to you as youth leaders is go and talk to a young person, engage with them, work out the context and go from there. And the second question really, again, is most important with the how is really then the what what do we need to talk about what is the necessary teaching that our young people need to really like navigate this world navigate the 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 harsh realities of sex and relational world that they are in you know because there is there's there's a general trend across young people that they're, they're obviously there are different young people struggling with different things but there are general trends that i find that we that all young people in 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 this kind of age bracket are struggling with and we can thank the internet for that not um but overall the the before we begin this conversation we need to forge our goal so our goal overall, what are we trying to achieve as we have this conversation with young people? And our goal shouldn't just be to share just biblical sexual ethics. Obviously that is vital, but our goal shouldn't just be, okay, let's just tell them what the ethics are and go from there. You know, anyone can do that. We can, we, we can read scriptures, we used to, you know, say don't look, another, don't look another woman lustfully, you know, keep the marriage bed pure, you know, the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. Anyone can read out those scriptures to young people and go, okay, there you go, off you go. But the, in reality, that is not enough for our young people. You know, I've got a three-year-old at home, and he's not hit this stage yet, praise God. But, you know, they, all, they go through this stage called the interrogation age, where they constantly just, kids just constantly ask why. You know, oh, you know, can you put your shoes on? You know, why? Because we're going to school. Why? Because you need an education. Why? And it's like, you know, that is, that, while that stage, they grow out of that stage, I think the why question never really leaves people. And I think it's, you know, really important that we get the why right when it comes to this subjects or these subjects therefore the emphasis really shouldn't be on just conveying the rules and the ethics but on presenting a better vision for them the why to our what so, you know for the world's vision of sex and relationship in regards to particularly for sex it has devolved to what as jefferson bethke calls he says is sex is nothing more than two consenting adults exchanging fluids as they slam their bodies together in sexual in self-gratification 
That's the world's vision of sex. While in regards to relationship, nothing I feel like better encapsulates the Western cultural concept of, of dating than, than Tinder. You know, this kind of FOMO-centered, looks-first, low-commitment, body-count vision our world presents our young people. And so the big question our young people desire from us is not just the what, what is the right way to do stuff, but the why. Why is Jesus' vision for sex and relationships better, more compelling, more beautiful, and more meaningful than that of the world's? Because it is just easier, you know, they're in a really difficult scenarios when they're at schools, when they're amongst their friends. It is just easier to adopt what the culture would, is doing around them without a more compelling picture. Because it is internally incredibly difficult to justify the reason to live against the majority, against the bombardment of temptations the world leaves at our young people's doors without a more beautiful vision. So as we look to hold these discussions, not only should we be seeking to present what the scriptures say, vital, but also present a better vision and reveal Jesus' better way for sex and relationships. So let's dive into what I believe is necessary um, for these kind of conversations we have with young people around sexual relationships. So what are the necessary elements that I think are important as we look to structure our conversation or our teaching with young people under our care? And if you love to take notes, um, there are seven <laughs> core elements, I would say, and those seven sounds like a lot, but seven core elements uh, that I think are really, really important when we look to have a holistic teaching on sex and relationships. And so we're going to go through them. So I'm not going to spend huge amounts of time. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on one or the other ones. But we're going to jump through them um, just to save our time. So number one, foundationally, before we get to anything else, before we start even drilling into talking about sex or dating, foundationally is God's love. We must, before we talk about anything else, set a foundation of God's love, of who God is, that he is the creator and initiator of all things, creating everything with purpose, on purpose, including sex, relationships, gender, and genitals. You know, God has created all these things with purpose, on purpose, from a place of love. It says, you know, we know it, John 1, 4, it says, God is love. I mean, the center of his being is love. Everything flows out from that place. Every characteristic, every command that he has ever made flows from that place of God's loving kindness. And so that must be the launch pad from which we look to progress our teaching onward from. As A.W. Tozer says, what we think about God is the most important thing about us. Because how we see God shapes our identity our purpose informs the motivations behind our morality, shapes our values and our habits, which ultimately shapes our behavior long term. But equally, number two, as we understand who God is, we must then teach as well or have a conversation with about the authority of Scripture and model that as well, not just teach about it, but model it as well. That these scriptures that we hold are the place in which we gain our story, our purpose, our values, and of course our ethics as well. And these are a place to be trusted, that the people have, have for centuries hold fast to these things, that within them is Jesus' teaching for life and the fullness of life that we as human beings deeply long for. That Jesus Christ said he, we, he created us for himself. And actually within his scriptures he has given us is the life that he is that deep down we long for from the beginning. 
So teach the authority of scripture. And then number three, as we kind of progress into what they probably are after more specifically, is again, we need a clear vision for dating. A clear vision for dating. Now, as many of you people will be aware that the, the Bible says zero things about dating. Zero things about dating. Because dating is a relatively new concept within the, the relational history of our world. Um, but there is biblical wisdom and principles that can be applied to create a healthy vision of dating within our modern world. That is far better than the, the, the vision that the world offers our young people. You know, our current cultural, secular kind of concept of dating is really undefined, directionless, and just, again, open-minded. And while I believe we can present something a lot better to our young people. Um, And in the teaching we did with our young people, we offer them two versions of biblically principled dating that I think we can present to our young people. Again, what we wanted to do was, rather than teach them, again, what we think, we want them to think biblically. Particularly when the Bible doesn't say something hugely obvious about it. Actually, what we wanted to offer them is, we want to offer them a way to think biblically rather than go, this is what we think, now get on with it and and just trust what we have to say. We want them to take what the scriptures say and then go, okay, how does this work within my world? And so we offered them two visions of dating, or two versions of dating that I think are biblical that can be biblically principled. Number one would be a version called dating for marriage in terms of a title and the other being dating for maturity. Um, So dating for marriage is is what it says on the tin. It's dating to find out whether this person is the appropriate person to marry. Essentially that's the direction, that's where this vehicle is going um, and that's where where it works. Um, And the other one, dating maturity's goal is, is dating less with a, I guess, with the other person in mind as much, trying to find out whether this is the right person, but more it's about your personal growth. Um, so marriage isn't necessarily the end goal, but becoming a person who would be good to marry, would be. Um, now, we felt that right to present to our young people and in that kind of way to help them again think biblically. Most of our young people came to the conclusion that they felt like dating for marriage, which was the choice that they felt like was right, which we agreed with. Um, we, wanted to, we, we, we wanted to give them that anyway. They felt like that dating for maturity seemed to be like self-involved or um, that, that you can actually grow without like having a relationship being a central part of who you are, that actually sometimes it might be more of a distraction than a solution, which we agreed. Because marriage is, of course, the biblical expression of romantic relationships. That's where the Bible talks about this is where romantic relationships exist and nothing else really does it exist within. And if you're not on the road there, our young people would would have saying, then a directionless road is really easy to find yourself lost upon. So that was great for our young people. Um, but equally within the topic of dating, we found some really, really important questions to cover that our young people really would, wanted to ask. The first would be, what should I be looking for in, in, in someone to date? What, should, who, what kind of person should that be? You know, our culture very much, again, with things like Tinder, it's very much looks first. That's, all, that's much more what you're presented with. But is there more to the story that our young people really need to be hearing? It's a great question to work through with them. One, the, the main question that came throughout our sex and dating relationship series that we did back in January was, can I date someone who isn't a Christian? That came out so much, and we were trying to we tried to change the conversation on that, saying, "Can I date someone who isn't following Jesus?" That's the way we tried to, to change that question because the language is important. Because while some, while it's important, you know, someone might tick the box of Christian, 
Are they really pursuing Jesus? And are they really going after him? And so could you date that person? You know, the spoiler Spoiler answer. Uh, spoiler alert. The answer is no. Is what we, what we told our young people. Um, then another thing, specifically, we talked about boundaries. Boundaries are really important. Having it assumed as part of a, what makes up a Christian dating relationship, because boundaries are a part of how we do all relationships. I think is what we conceive within just good wisdom, um, and, that, and that is to be done within your dating relationships. Are done with the community, with friends, with peers, to keeping a check on them, with mentors holding them to account, and to discuss with them not only what physical boundaries would be good, but also emotional boundaries as well as one that gets overlooked. For while, as 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, you know, to flee sexual immorality, we're also called, as Proverbs 4.23 says, to keep our heart with all vigilance. And I would say also the other partner, if you're entering into a dating relationship, keep their heart as well, because it's not yours to walk into. The amount of young people I've seen get into dating relationships and treat it as if it is already marriage is incredibly vulnerable place to be in and can lead to big consequences down the line. Um, and finally, within the kind of topic of dating, we did a separate session on this. You might not want to, but to bring it into this, but we also, we also spoke about a vision for marriage and what biblical marriage looks like. So they know where the road is progressing towards. They know what the ultimate expression within, within Scripture is for romantic relationships, and they can understand that. And So if they know the direction of travel, they can make decisions in the now that will lead to that place of wholeness that the Scripture is offering us. So that's dating. Number three. So that one we spend a little bit more time on. Number four um, is singleness. I think one thing the church often has overlooked throughout history is, is a conversation around singleness. It's not something the Bible disregards. It's the Bible, something the Bible, particularly in 1 Corinthians, Paul brings up in significant steps within his letters. Really, really important. Um, because marriage can almost be treated in this, as an, almost in the church as a necessity to a fulfilled, fulfilled life, which is more of a cultural narrative than, than less of a Christian one. You know, what, it's not what scripture presents. So the question, when we presented our young people with this, we presented our young people with this question. It says, if you got to the end of your life, and never dated or married anyone, could you still say your life is fulfilled? Could you still have a fulfilled life? And our culture's message would be, no, 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 you can't do that. No, you wouldn't have a fulfilled life if you didn't ever date anyone, if you didn't ever get married. You know, our rom-coms, or, you know, every film has a love interest. Every film has a love interest, and it's just annoying. You know, I want to watch a film about aliens. I don't want to know if this guy likes this person, you know, it's just, it's, anyway. Um, um, <laughs> but then, you know, celebrity dramas, you've got Love Island, all those kind of things are presenting our, the, our young people with this image of, you know, this is what you need for a fulfilled life, which is just not true. And so this is the one, of the, young th- the one of the things we just love to underline with our young people, that Jesus' vision for a fulfilled life, you know, romantic relationships aren't a necessity within it. You know, Jesus, he walked this earth as the most fulfilled person to ever walk this, on this earth physically, and he never entered into a romantic relationship. So we don't need to either. You know, what we really crave as human beings is intimacy, and our culture's answer to that is romance, not deep, vulnerable friendships. Intimacy is to be known deeply and to be deeply loved. And as we need it. But it, it isn't just only found and discovered within romantic relationships. And you know, even for yourself, if, you're, if, you're, if you have a spouse, if you're, if you're married, you know, actually it's really important that we provide spaces for intimate connections beyond our marriage as well. 
Um, because humanly speaking, you know, the lack of intimacy is what drives people into destructive relationships in the hope they might find the intimacy they long for. So talk about singleness as it is valuable within the kingdom. Talk about it. Represent it. Give a beautiful vision for singleness as well. So that's number four. So number five, I would say it's really important specifically to talk about pornography and masturbation. Um, I think it would be, you'd be surprised how prevalent this is amongst your young, young people if you have a group that's over like six people. You'd be surprised how many of them were wrestling with it or had an impact in their life. I think the, the group of young people we did it with, you know, we found out every, it, apart from maybe the year sevens and year eights, some of the year eights, but every single young person other than that had a, had a story to tell how pornography had impacted their lives, whether directly or indirectly. They had, they had been impacted by it. So it's so prevalent. And I think it does inform the young people's view of sex more than we would ever believe. And so it's really important that we look to engage this topic. But we look to engage it as a real tender issue because there is so, so much shame attached to it. So much shame. And we want to draw our young people out of hiding to find healing, redemption, and holiness. Not just hand them shovels of shame to just bury themselves further in. We want to bring them into a place of redemption. So while it's important to present a case that seeks to be you know, clear on the harms and evils of pornography, that it dehumanizes us and others, it affects us mentally, you know, it stands in antithesis to God's vision and ethics of sex, but we need to offer a space for young people to, just to feel free free of shame, free of, free of the, the, the consequences and pain that they might have to deal with and further shame to open up and talk about this and find that redemption and healing that they need. Because you know, it's, it's, it's what Jesus did. Jesus doesn't run away from our sin. Jesus runs towards us in our sin. As, we've, as Simon spoke so beautifully yesterday, you know, we, 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 Jesus walks towards us. He finds us at our location because he is the rescuer. He is the redeemer. He's the one who gets into the pit of shame with us and, and pulls us out. That's what our saviour does and we are called to embody as well to our young people. So that's pornography and masturbation, really, really important to talk about. Um, number six, we need to be clear on sex. Again, just as, a, as an own subject within itself, you know that sex is not just a, a kind of the vision the world offers. Sex is, not, is just not play for grown-ups as our culture would have us believe, you know, where it's void of significance and meaning. Um, that sex is not primarily about pleasure as well. That our, our culture would present to us that sex is just about pleasure and then, and then almost intimacy is kind of you know, potential and then procreation is almost this you know, unnecessary side effect that might happen. While biblically, sex is ordered very differently in the mind of the Bible and what it offers us. You know, in, in scripture, first, sex is primarily about intimacy. You know, we see in the in, in the scriptures the word that the, the the word that's often used is the word new. So, like Adam knew Eve, um, Cain knew his wife. So, there's a sense of intimacy about knowing deeply and being connected with this other person in self-sacrificial love and relationship. And then after that, it's about procreation. So, secondary to that would be procreation. Like be fruitful and multiply. You know, that's probably what presented most secondary within scripture in terms of sex. And rarely ever is pleasure mentioned as part of sex within Scripture. You know, praise God, we, it's good, but it's not really mentioned that much within Scripture. You know, we, we get to enjoy the benefits of it, but it's not something that's actually brought up much in Scripture. 
So it's intimacy, procreation, and then pleasure is how we order sex being biblical in our minds. And it's important to talk about how, we t- how God thinks about sex. You know, our young people want to know, what does God think about sex? You know, it's really, really important that it matters, that God created it on purpose. It's not this kind of accident God's like, oh, gosh, they've, I've made, well, can I just go and leave it there? No, God created sex on purpose, with a purpose, and it reflects his heart. That God's created this wonderful gift to humanity. And it's not a dirty thing that you're almost like, it's so dirty. You, have to, you can only really give it to one person because other than that, if you start spreading this thing around, phew, you know, it's not like that. You know, God is the originator of sex. The one who intended it for, first of all, our joy. You know, he, 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 didn't, he could have had us reproduced by mitosis where, you know, just split off from another person. That would be very odd. But he didn't. He chose to give us this gift of sex, sex of, in union of beings because it's beautiful. That there is this power of diversity in unity, of love in action, of self-sacrifice, of two souls becoming one. That's God's vision for sex. So, really really important to talk about sex how does God think about it? how does God view it because our young people are desperate to know what the vision for sex is that is full of meaning and value rather than meaningless as our society would have us believe and uh, finally number seven um, no conversation in the 21st century of, in talking about relationships and sex would be complete with also talking about the issue of sexuality and gender um, and this, of course, has to be handled with the greatest degree of, of just care for our young people. And we need to listen to our young people because we can't assume that you know, the culture has changed so much. The world they're living in is different to the world we were living in. You know, however old you are, it's definitely different to the world I was living in when I was a teen. So it's, we need to come to that place with the greatest degree of listening, with respect for their worlds, and understand their story and what they're battling. Um, and also, but our young people desire clarity. They, they desire clarity and equipping on these, these, these issues because it's such a confusing landscape for our young people. You know, in our youth, we had a girl who questioned her whole sexuality because she simply just would, thought another girl was attractive. She just went, oh, that girl's a bit attractive. You know, she's a pretty. Oh, maybe that means I'm a lesbian. You know, and she just spiraled out of, like, in this kind of conversation. Again, a young girl with a youth, incredibly intelligent, like a wise young person. But this was a real battle for her, incredibly confusing times that she had to deal with. But she, you know, she, 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 she later discovered she wasn't. But, again, after much internal soul-searching. Um, so there is so much confusion in this age, so we cannot allow our young people just to get lost within it. Um, equally, if you're a young person, you know, if, if, if we obviously within the UK, within our young, within our churches, you know, they need equipping on this question, just not just because they might be struggling with it personally, with that internal soul searching, but because they're 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 being questioned about it. You know, they go to their schools. It's the main question I think young people are being asked today. If they, you know, say, "Oh, I'm a Christian," they're like, "Well, do you hate gays?" It's pretty much the way the con- the conversation progresses pretty quickly. You know, by their friends, by their classmates, even their teachers. You know, in our youth, we had one, one young person who was suspended from school because she said to her classmates that she would never want to get into a gay relationship because she just didn't think it was right. But she gave the caveat to say, but if someone did decide to, you know, then I would respect their decision and I would love them and care for them all the same. You know, and she was suspended on that basis of saying that one simple phrase. So young people need just equipping and care within this whole conversation. 
So my encouragement would be to have this conversation, but equally be clear, be kind, be gentle, listen, share truth and love. And again, present Christ's better vision for sexuality and gender, which is about unity and diversity, intimacy and commitment, but equally about gender specifically, it's about embodied identity, embodied identity. So those seven things, I would say, are the necessary elements we need to be thinking about as we approach this conversation. I know it's a lot, but honestly, it is, it is the world we live in. It's the world we're battling with um, all the time with our young people. So we cannot leave our young people to drift, swimming against the current without support and the better vision that Jesus offers us. But, you know, your youth group might need more specific teaching around sexting or around sharing explicit images on social media. You know, so just, again, my encouragement would be to know your youth group, know your young people, understand where they're coming from and help them and support them in the world that they're in. So finally, one of the things I just would love to talk about is parents. Um, because, again, we acknowledge as youth leaders we do have influence in our young people's lives. But the, 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 the really the way we structure a youth work, what we teach, what we practice and model over a longer period of times does really make an impact. But overall, the, you know, in the vast majority of cases, in young people's lives, we are secondary influences. And that's the way we, we have to hold ourselves. And that's okay. And parents are the primary. This is the way God has ordered things. So for us, when we bring up these conversations, we must not do it in isolation to parents. I think often the way we think as youth leaders is sometimes, I don't know what parents are like for you, sometimes parents are the enemy, sometimes parents are the greatest resource in the world. And so it's, but it's working with parents, not in isolation, is really important. So the way, before we started this conversation with, with our parents on sexual relationship back in January, um, we, we gathered as many of the parents who would listen, who would come amongst us and engage with us as a conversation. And what we did is we equipped them with resources, we sent them helpful questions to start their conversation with their kids after the sessions we had. We encouraged parents that the right way to go about this isn't to have, just sit down and have one 100-minute conversation but I'd rather focus on having 101-minute conversations with the young people on this subject. Uh, that often the best question you can ask is, you know, what at youth, did, was there anything you agreed with or disagreed with? What did you come away with? And just to develop the conversation from there. And the young parents have the, a powerful influence to affirm or deny things in their young people's life, which has huge impact on their lifelong discipleship. So that's the way I see it. Which we need to equip our parents, support them, but equally not carry the burden of over-responsibility and thinking that we must be the ones to drive this conversation and be the only ones to talk to the young people about it as well. So that's parents. Wonderful. I'm sure I've run over. Um, but, so I think we're going to open it up for questions now. But yes, like, this often feels like, like, hollow, like kind of hallowed ground and we fear to tread. So, but really important that we do it well-equipped, that we look to love our young people and support them really, really well through it. So yeah, over to you. Brilliant. Let's give John a round of applause. There was a lot of rich, brilliant content in there, John. Um, just say, because of time, uh, we won't have time for loads of questions, but probably I will cover two that probably are quite broad. And then if you did send in, because I know a few people sent in some really specific ones, can I encourage you, come speak to John, myself, or Bex. We'd love to uh, just chat that through with you. Um, John, you touched on particularly um, helping young people have a strong biblical foundation or or at least having a high view of the Bible. Um, And you were really helpful in saying, you know, don't be vague on issues. How have you found taking maybe young people on a journey who don't have a high view of the Bible to have a high view of sexual ethics, which we've obviously based on Scripture, 
which we is we found is right. And so, how have you taken young people on that journey to kind of grow in that kind of holding scripture highly yeah, yeah. in order to value kind of the, the elements that we've looked at? It depends, uh, depends on the context, I would say. But like for me, the way we've done it is we looked to through just the way we run on shape our youth work. So, and we looked at just bring it into everything we do so almost like our habits form our behavior over time so it's looking to introduce things that you know might be not particularly easy for them at the beginning but looks to grow them over time so what we do is we just read scripture we just like okay we present it we bring it before any top we don't just talk about topics we go okay if we're going to talk about even a topic we're going to read scripture we're going to read it together we'll get a young person to read the scripture off the screen we'll read it in two different translations just to again just go okay this is what we're affirming this is what we're holding to more than anything else you know we want scripture to be central to yeah everything we think about and progress in our lives and that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. So like just modeling it yeah. through your week in, week out stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Kind of subconsciously helps ground mm, that. Mm, mm. Really helpful. Yeah. Uh, another thing you touched on was particularly around uh, gender and sexuality. Mm. And often when we have these conversations, you can't escape those conversa- yeah. conversations. And uh, maybe even about abortion. Mm. Uh, how would you help kind of navigate that journey to still being able to cover this, mm-hmm. um, but still also speaking into it? You know, like you said, because sometimes we want the church to speak on these issues, yeah, but yeah. having a, a kind of method or way to do so. Yeah. Wow. Uh, very, very, yeah, very difficult one. I think it's, it's, it's obviously handling it very gently and very kindly. I think it needs a, probably a specific time of its own. Obviously, if it's a specific young person that you're dealing with, then walk that with that young person. But again, I, th- I don't think it's an issue that specifically all young people will struggle with at a different point. But again, it is an issue in our society that our young people are wrestling with. So I think it's just handling that with a lot of grace and kindness and gentleness and listening to their story and their world and then working through that to understand. Yeah, obviously, you know, abortion is a very, very tricky subject that our young people are wrestling with. But how, And how we've done that in the past is just, yeah, again, open that conversation. Look at what Scripture says. Look at the value of human beings, you know, from, in, from their inception. Um, and then work that through. But um, yeah, so handling it with, I don't have anything else to offer than gently and kindly. But if you have a more specific kind of question about that, it wouldn't come and talk to me. But yeah, just opening that kind of conversation, but looking at scripture, holding a biblical foundation on it, and then yeah, working that through with them. Brilliant. Thank you, John. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, all that John has uh, kind of given us today is it all starts with relationship with young people. So all that we do, ensure that they feel like that it is a safe space, that they are with you, that they can listen to you. And these conversations, are, they will always be way easier when a young person feels like this person is for me, not just trying to teach me a biblical ethic, yeah, like you yeah. just said. Um, so thank you so much, John. Um, that is really helpful. But what I would love to do is uh, for literally one minute, I would just love for us to reflect on what does like, a next step mean for us? Um, and as I reflect uh, in silence, I, I don't do so just from a logical place of thinking, oh, what, what's the next logical step to do? But I, I, I firmly believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God will give you for your context what needs to be the next step. And even maybe if it's peace uh, to know that maybe you feel overwhelmed by uh, just, oh man, how do we do this? But I really will trust that as you reflect, God will give you all that you need. So 60 seconds, get before God uh, to say, God, what is, what is next for us? And then I'll pray and Bex will close for us. Father, we do thank you for your spirit. That is the one who gives us wisdom, gives us all that we need in order to serve young people. 
Uh, God, I do pray for every single person who is involved in young people's lives that they would know that there is no pressure on them, but they come to the one who is able to give all gifts, give all wisdom, uh, to give all the tools that we need, to know that they have fresh manner for today as they, uh, as they lead young people, even as they might have conversations now back at their sites. Um, but God, I just pray for a sense of peace and confidence over youth leaders. Um, but God, we thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, we just wanted to highlight the bookshop to you, which is literally next door. It's behind um, whatever's at the front. I think a little bit of pitch and put. Um, and um, we've just got some books here, um, Purposeful Sexuality by Ed Shaw. Um, Gav Calver has um, uh, written uh, a little forward about that. And uh, Andrew Wilson is supporting that book as well. And uh, Tim Keller, The Meaning of Marriage. There is a relationships section um, in the bookshop if you're um, wanting to go a bit deeper and uh, perhaps you want to promote a book to your young people or your team or even you need to um, do some business with God around um, how you support your young people in this area. Um, relationships, a mess worth making. Um, is, did you have a resource? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is specifically a youth, a youth work resource so it helps parents and also youth leaders, again, you help with this, converse, this conversation to amongst the youth groups is a video series um, so called Christian Sexuality so you can Christian Sexuality dot something just google it um, but equally I spoke to the guys there and they said you know doing the seminar would you give them any discount so if you did want discount for this series really really great um, they gave you 20 give 20% off if you use the code NEWDAY20 so google Christian Sexuality should be the top one it's made by if you heard of Preston Sprinkle you know it's got people like Francis Chan Jackie Hill Perry you know real stories from real people as well as you know just great equipping for parents as well so yeah they give you 20% off New Day 20 but only for August so if you did want to utilize that then get stuck in with that but it's really great really helpful so, yeah. amazing um lastly um just to say that we're here every morning 11 30 your space all week all week long, um, do come and hang out and have your uh, more serious conversations over a cup of coffee. Um, we'll be about um, just as, as well. Um, tomorrow is Livy Gibbs. She's been part of the New Day uh, fabric for a very long time, but she also works for a Christian charity called Transforming Lives for Good. And so she's going to be doing a workshop on uh, supporting young people in their mental health. It's called um, uh, first, emotional first aid. Um, so uh, that will be brilliant and you will definitely feel equipped before as you go out. It's more like a workshop style rather than a seminar. Um, and yes, so we'll be here all week. Thursday, we're prioritizing mental health and, y- and young people and myself and Tex on Friday, we'll be talking with leading about leading with impact. Um, but have a wonderful first day at New Day. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad you're here and spent some time with us. God bless.